today's message is entitled, For the Sake of the Gospel. And I think this is something that uh, a lot of people have a hard time trying to figure out, is how do you live like a Christian, especially when it comes to the workplace or when it comes to you know, kind of the pressures that you get when people know that you're a Christian and kind of the, you know, uh, people th that try to troll you and <laughs> be like, I thought you were a Christian, <laughs> you know. Um, so we'll be talking about that today because it's, it's so important for us to actually have some idea of where we happen to be, where we are in our walk with Christ. And before we do so, we need to really examine a couple of things. Um, we need to examine our field in which God has called us to. When we look at Israel, Israel, they were stuck in this pattern that we see right here, where they were constantly enslaved, constantly just under somebody's captivity, colonized. In the New Testament, we see them colonized by the Roman Empire and the early church running as fugitives from the government, right? And from also uh, the, the Jewish uh, leadership during that time. But with all this, there was a reason. When it comes to problems, a lot of times we have a hard time figuring out what the answer is. We just become scarred, right? We become scarred by our past. Uh, like we talked about last week, we, we become so scarred to the point where we don't know that we are scarred. It's only when someone prods us in a certain way where the wounds that were hidden just are revealed, right? If I had a huge gash on my left arm and then, you know, I, I try to just cover it up and a friend of mine comes and just like, bap, you know, hits me right on that wound. Yeah, there might be some, you know, names that go that person's way, right? But that's the thing. When we don't know that we're wounded or the wound that we have never gets addressed, never gets healed, then we just remain scarred people, wounded people, especially more so when we're talking about spiritually, when we're talking about our, our mental state as well. When we allow these scars in our lives to remain unattended, they start to fester. And this is the pattern that we see Israel fall into time and time again. Falling under slavery, falling under captivity, colonization, and wandering or running away. But all this is founded on what they were holding on to during these times. Uh, where so many times Israel fell to idolatry. They fell to the same patterns of culture as the world did. And it's only when they turned back to the covenant that they actually found freedom. And it was through this gospel content. Even in the Old Testament, there is gospel content because before the gospel as was known as the gospel, it was the covenant. And it was the covenant that carried from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And all this happens according to God's time schedule. And... What God is calling us to do, especially today, is to conquer this culture. And this culture isn't something new. It's not something new that we're figuring out today. But it's a culture from of old just repeated, which is uh, during Genesis chapter 6. We are introduced to um, this culture of the Nephilim, where it was like the wild, wild west. People hated each other. If you had something that I want, I would kill you to get what you have. And... It's very similar to today in, in, in many ways, but 
um, this is not a culture that God wants for it to continue because it is a kind of a self-imploding type of pattern. Um, it's a very toxic pattern that the world falls into. And what we have to understand is what is then what we're holding on to today? You know, we're holding on to the gospel. And we have to really understand what this gospel really is about. Verse 18, it says this, What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Paul, he's gone through a lot. He's gone through a lot in his own journey. Um, when we look at Paul's life, he was a prosecutor of Christians. So he came and found all the Christians in town and either put them in jail or he stoned them, you know, executed them. And it was a very um, horrible way of going about it, but he thought he was doing the Lord's work. Um, but it wasn't until he actually met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus where he was blinded, he couldn't see that he started to think a little differently than before. That the person that he was persecuting, the people that he was persecuting was because of this Jesus, but this Jesus has not appeared before him. And for three days he was blind, and Jesus told him to go to meet this priest named Ananias, and that he would pray for him and restore his sight. So Paul goes to Damascus, meets Ananias, and Ananias prays for him, but not only prays for him, but shares the gospel with him. And Paul's life was never the same. He was one who killed Christians, and now he became one who raised up Christians, raised up churches. And this is the guy that's speaking in the passage that we read today. It's Paul that is speaking. He discovered good news. But when we hear about a story like Paul's today, hey, do you know this guy, this murderer? He became a Christian, you know? He's, he's becoming like a really good leader. He's been like building so many churches. What would, what would go through your mind today? Uh, that sounds a little sus, right? <laughs> that sounds a little bit, something's not right. But then that comes back to this question of what does being a good Christian actually mean, right? And this is a conversation I had like multiple times this past week with some of, some of the young adults that I meet online. So many times people have a hard time knowing what that means, living as a good Christian. I had this one conversation um, with a person in Seattle, and the person was saying, like, hey, you know, I'm just so stressed out because I'm trying to be a good Christian, you know? People know that I'm Christian, so then I'm trying to watch what I say, watch what I do, and it's just really stressful. And I was like, who, who taught you what a good Christian is, you know? <laughs> who, who created this label for you? And they was like, well, you know, it's kind of something that you kind of know, right? And it's funny because when we actually think about it, like who created this rubric or who created this like to-dos and not-to-dos? And when you think about it, it's not really what we see in the Bible, but what we see amongst just people. Like people come up with this stuff, right? It's all based on people's opinions and traditions, and that's it. <laughs> and, and traditions, they're good, but if they 
take the place of the gospel, then it becomes very toxic. It becomes very dangerous. And what we see here in Paul's journey was him actually experiencing the reality of the gospel. So many people today as Christians don't actually experience true Christianity. They experience how to pretend to be a Christian. They experience how to act like a Christian, but they don't know the personalization of what it means to know Jesus. They just see Jesus as he is kind of our standard or he is our, you know, like, I need to make him like me, <laughs> you know? But that doesn't make sense because the gospel tells, tells of a different story. It's that we couldn't even reach God, but God came to us. It's like your parents, right, having you as, as their child. It's like, duh, you know, <laughs> like I'm supposed to love this child. This child doesn't have to earn my love, right? Then we see like toxic parenthood, right? <laughs> um, this child is loved, you know? And this is so important for us to be able to see. It's like when we receive Christ into our hearts as our Lord and Savior, you are loved. You have been loved, but now you are in this relationship and you're loving back. Well, that's what it's supposed to be, right? This is what a good relationship is built upon, where there is communication, reciprocation. There's this back and forth. But so many times this is missing in our personal walk with Jesus. There is no back and forth. It's, I did my, I did my duty, check. Now back to Monday, <laughs> you know, back to Tuesday back to vacation or back to, and all these things are good, vacation, taking breaks, all this stuff is needed. Everything is, you know, good in that sense. But when we lose sight of God's plan for our lives, when we lose sight of why the good news is good news, there is not much good news out in the world besides that. Um, there are so many young people today, they have it all, they have money, they have a career, they have a great job, and they have a view now because during COVID, they moved to you know, California and they moved to all these nice scenic areas because they can work remote now. And it's like, good, good for them. But they're so unhappy. There are so many that are struggling with depression, so many that are struggling with loneliness. Even though they have everything, everything that everyone else is pursuing to be like, they're miserable. And it's like, what, none of this makes sense. Like, once you get money, you should be happy. Or once you get a career that's established, you should be happy. There should be no complaining. There should be, <laughs> there should, but then there's like all this mental, uh, spiritual issues that come upon, come upon people. But why is that? Because we're not built just for these physical things. We're built for this eternal, this spiritual relationship with Jesus. Why does it have to be Jesus? Some, some people might ask. Well, because when you actually try, Jesus, he does respond. When you actually hold on to his word, there is a reciprocation that takes place. When you see God's word work, just even a little bit, when you see it take place, being fulfilled in your life, 
your life will never be the same. Because you start to see, I'm part of this bigger plan. I'm not insignificant. There is a purpose behind what I'm doing. Because why? Because of this gospel. That's why Paul is able to do what he's able to do. He's able to go and preach this gospel free of charge. And he's going to all these different places to, to the Jews, he became, becomes like a Jew. Those who are under the law, he becomes under the law. Those who are not under the law, he becomes like one who is not under the law. It's like, what, what, why are you doing this? That, that, sounds, that sounds so hard. That sounds so inconvenient for you. You know, just chill, <laughs> you know. But he saw good news behind this gospel. And so we see him do such you know, incredible things to raise up people so that one life the few that he would, he would be able to reach with this good news would come alive. So as we hold on to this, we start to see a personal relationship. And that's what is so needed today is a true relationship, true personal relationship. In any personal relationship, you let them know, <laughs> you know, what's up. Uh, the good side and the bad side. That's what a loving relationship actually is you know it's not just loving the the only the all the good points it's not a buffet guys right <laughs> you just pick all the good traits but there's also you know not so great traits but nevertheless we love because of the commitments of the time of the you know sacrifices that were made and so as we hold on to this gospel as our foundation the gospel then becomes our background. As we kind of break this down, <clears throat> verse 20, it says, To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became one under the law, though not being myself under the law that I might win those under the law. So it starts out with the diaspora, talking about the Jews, right? Not Jews as the, the religion, Jew, like Judaism, but the people, and they're in a very unique situation themselves. They are the diaspora, meaning that they are not in like their own native, like, you know, uh, homogeneous people. They're under Rome. And with that, they have multiple cultures that they have to juggle around. Just like many of us here today, we have multiple cultures that we're juggling around. But that makes you very unique because you then can become that bridge, right? You become a bridge between cultures. You become that bridge between nations. And we see Paul with this heart, you know, to the Jews, I'll, I'll, I'll be as a Jew so I can reach more Jews. To those under the law, I'll be like one under the law. Though I myself am not bound to that law, you know, I'm not persecuting myself by those traditions and what people have made up. I am under the gospel always. And then he goes on to address the religious people, but then he also talks about for the people outside of the law, right? Uh, it says, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of, but under the law of Christ that I might win those outside the law. What does that mean? Does that mean like, oh, so we can sin and do whatever we want as a world and it will be okay as long as we win people to Jesus? No, <laughs> that's not what that means. Um, but what we can actually see is how Jesus did this. Because Jesus did this. He, he went to those who were outside of the law, right? 
those who were prostitutes, those who were tax collectors, those who were considered traitors, those who had leprosy, who were considered unclean, Jesus went to them. And he didn't go to them saying, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. That's why God is judging you because you did something bad. He didn't say any of that. He ate with them. He spent time with them. And he actually shared good news with them that they don't have to stay stuck in the toxic cycles that so many of this world's culture makes you get stuck in. And so they change. And so they repent. And so they turn their lives towards Jesus. And we see those who are weak. And there are people that are like that around us where we're like, why are they so stuck up on this problem when it's nothing? <laughs> but it's when we are you know, able to be in their shoes. Not that we are stuck up on the same things, but understanding people wherever they happen to be um, is such a great type of ministry that God has called each one, us, each one of us towards, that we can lead them towards the gospel so that they may receive strength. So what's the point of all this? The goal is life movement. And verse 19 um, paints that very well. It says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. The goal of Paul wasn't to like be a chameleon <laughs> and try, try to be friends with everybody. His goal was to be able to share this good news with as many people as possible because this is what transformed him. And this is what has transformed so many people that he ministered to as well. And this is what he wants us to be able to see, what Christ wants us to see, and be able to share this blessing with others. Verse 23, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. There's a blessing behind this. It's not just do it because you're a Christian. There's a blessing that is tied to this. And this is something that we need to discover. This blessing of breaking toxic patterns in our life, finding healing from our past, present, and our, even into our future. Our anxious thoughts need healing as well so that we can drop them and finding purpose behind this life. Because this life wasn't just meant to just do your best and make a living and then rinse and repeat with the next generation. Like there's a bigger plan behind what Christ is doing, where we need to keep building towards a future that establishes God's kingdom here on this earth. It's not what people think it may be. It's restoring the world back to Christ, where people are finding answers to be healed with, that people are able to break out of some of the strongholds that they find themselves in, right? And this is what is missing is purpose. People have lost a purpose. And as God restores this, he starts to establish his church. He establishes your life, where your life isn't just a career, a family, but all all, all these things become platforms, platforms for good news to be shared. The platform of family, you're, you have that ability to share. 
Not all of us, or maybe all of us, have some scars in our family. But the blessing behind that scar is that we don't need to repeat it. Right? We don't have to repeat it. And that much more in God's grace, he gives us the strength not to repeat it. When it comes to our workplaces, yeah, it's hard to share or evangelize. That's okay. But you can pray. <laughs> and you can pray for those interactions to take place as well. Because there are some interactions that you don't know may take place in which you can share. And in our conclusion here today is this. We need to restore this. And this sounds kind of weird, holy meditation. But what we see here today is we see this movement outside of the church, right, called the TM or Transcendental Meditation. And it's great. You know, people are getting so much benefits out of it. But the problem with it is that it ends up coming back to you and you alone, where when you fail yourself, when you cannot be the, the king or queen of your life, you know, <laughs> when you run out of strength, that's it. And so many people fall into despair, trying to be positive all the time. Like positive thinking is good, but how long can you do it for, you know, <laughs> before you, you get drained out of all your energy, especially when you have kids, right? It's hard, very difficult. But that's why we need God's grace. And we do that through prayer. And that's what holy meditation is. It's not just any type of prayer, but it's prayer holding on to the word that you receive through the Sunday message, through the words that you read from the Bible. Like these, this is very important because a lot of times when we pray, we pray very vague prayers or very broad prayers. God bless my family. God bless, like every religion will pray this prayer. You don't have to be a Christian to pray that prayer. <laughs> but what God has given us as a child of God is his word. That when we pray holding on to his word, that word will take place because it's tied to a promise. And that's what we need to do. When we are praying, we need to actually hold on to something from today as a start, right? Hold on to one thing that you received through the message today and pray holding on to that throughout the week and see what answers God gives you throughout this week. And every Sunday is a time to kind of be equipped for that week. And as you start to see these answers, you start to see that, okay, this is not coincidence because God, he's continually talking back and forth. You know those answers where it's like, eh, was that a coincidence or was that really God? I don't know. That changes where you start to see, okay, there's something consistent going on here and it's actually going towards a direction. It's not just randomness. That's the difference between something that is more holy meditation versus very vague or broad prayers. And not that those prayers are bad necessarily, but we need to have God's word in our prayer as well. And then we're able to create these spiritual masterpieces where it's not just, um, you know, just believe in Jesus, you know, next generation, and, you know, have all these great, um, you know, good morals. And we need, they need more than just that. 
Next generation needs more than just that. We need more than just that. And God, he wants us to create these platforms in which we can be creative, we can be uh, expressive, we can really be able to um, share good news through different mediums. And what's so sad is that so many, so much of the world has control of all these mediums, but a lot of times Christians have no grasp of it at all. <laughs> and that needs to change. And just like, you know, there are a lot of think tanks throughout the United States. And think tanks, they're, they're, they're very interesting. They're kind of um, organizations that really create culture, basically, right? Where all these top minds gather together sharing ideas and then um, having investors and people to back up those ideas. And it's pretty, pretty interesting kind of um, how different think tanks work and whatnot. But we need to create that type of platform for people that have the covenant, people that have the gospel, to express the gospel in more than one or two ways, you know? And this is something that I really want us to really think about, where we can create ideas, we can create platforms in which this gospel can be shared. The gospel message doesn't have, have to change at all. It shouldn't change. But the medium in which we share it or how we communicate it, that can change. That can be creative. That can be however, you know, it needs to be. And this is what we see through Paul and, and the passage that we see today. He's thinking outside the box, right? Reaching all people because of the background that he has. And each one of you here today, have, you have a unique background where you're part of more than one culture. And that's a blessing. We might not think of, think of it as a blessing because we're surrounded with people that are kind of like that as well. But it is a blessing because there's so many people that, that need that bridge and you become that bridge for them one way or another. There are people that will talk to me because I'm a pastor, but there are a lot of people that won't talk to me because I'm a pastor. <laughs> but they'll talk with you because you are you and you are their friend or you are their colleague, you are you know, uh, their teacher or you are whomever. And that, that type of bridge is almost more important than what I do. And that's what's so important for us to see in the church today is not the same old religious mindset, but really seeing the gospel mindset taking place in all that we do.